So we're here, 8 o'clock in the morning, and for those who aren't, well, here you go, you get to listen to this. Um, why don't we just start with, a, start with a prayer, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, we come before you today uh, asking for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we know of the great love that you have for us, but at times, uh, certainly, we have difficulty accepting it, difficulty seeing it, and we just ask that um, through this Exodus time, we might not see it as a time of um, time away from you, but as a time in the desert, away from the world, and drawing closer to you. We ask that uh, you help us with any difficulties in the midst of the Exodus, in the midst of practices, and that you might guide all things for the good of those who love, for those who love you, and and you know that we love you, and so. We ask this all in the words that Jesus Christ gave us as we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, so, uh, one thing I've been kind of reflecting on the last, last few days with Exodus 90 is that we're already on day like 35 or something. And, um, and what's kind of crazy about it is, I don't know about you, but, you know, Christmas, you know, certainly had some difficulties in just kind of getting into the rhythm of it and everything. And there's certain moments when maybe you kind of feel like you've done a better job than others, Right. And kind of feel like, okay, I've been, you know, kind of more into it. And the first week is easy. The second week, you know, you're like trying to figure it out. But we're still figuring it out at day 35, which kind of just says how, you know, slow, you know, like we've been living for years, building up a certain habit of the way that we live life. And it's only been 35 days of kind of changing that. But what's cool about it is if we were doing Lent right now, it'd basically be over and we'd basically give up and we'd be like, well, whatever, you know, it's basically over. We're done. But what's cool is we have still another 40 days. So, so another 40, 50 days. And, and so basically what I encourage you in the midst of this is that this isn't, this isn't uh, it's not the beginning anymore. So you've kind of learned, you know, from it already. This isn't the end of it. So don't give up. But this is, a, this is a time to be able to be able to rededicate, to be able to learn from what you've done in the past and not to just be stupid and try the same exact thing and think that it'll turn out differently, right? <laughs> Don't, oh, I just got to try harder. No, okay, well, maybe you need to be more accountable, ask for help, you know, change, you know, certain practices, change your environment, right, so that you can be successful in it all and also be realizing of those difficulties and those human, you know, things that you have, but that, you know, you can overcome it and, and work with virtue. And so uh, I'd like to just specifically kind of talk a little bit more about virtue and asceticism today. Um, asceticism is kind of what we're doing in the midst of it. And I found uh, asceticism, though, is kind of like a, a word that we don't use very often. We kind of use penance, right? So during Lent, we practice penances. Asceticism um, is kind of, the Christian life is a life of penance, a life of, you know, repenting for our sins, you know, offering up sacrifice to God. 
but it's also a life of asceticism, which is very similar and probably probably crossed over a lot of the time. You know, people use penance for asceticism. You know, it's like it's not a word that's completely distinguishable, although there are distinguishers. But uh, asceticism, we're just going to kind of focus on that for the midst of this. But asceticism comes from the Greek word word eskis, which means practice, bodily exercise, and more especially athletic training. So asceticism kind of comes from athletic training, this type of training of the body in the midst of it all. And specifically for Christians, we adopted it to, for the practice of spiritual things, specifically to, to uh, acquire that habit of virtue. And so sometimes when we imagine kind of this practice of virtue or the habit of virtue, we sometimes have the idea of a virtue or a habit of virtue being something that I can repeat like as if it's practice. Like if, uh, if you're really good at the habit of baseball, you know, you're really good at hitting the baseball. Or if you're really good at football, practice of football, right, you practice and you can throw the football and you can nail it every single time, right? But one of the things that we don't always take into account is that for a habit of virtue to be able to be good, it's not just being good in one specific environment. It's kind of being good dynamically. And you see this with really good quarterbacks. You see this with really good baseball players who are able to hit the baseball in all sort of circumstances. A quarterback who's able to throw it not just when he's got perfect protection and, you know, it's the same exact, you know, kind of rote play, but where he can run out and throw on one foot and, you know, be and still get the pass. And so the same way with virtue is that we're not dealing with a perfect environment where it's like we can do the same exact thing. Okay, well, last time, you know, whatever else, you know, the exact same life, like as if we're regimented to such a degree that we can't change out of. But in fact, in the habit of virtue, we actually want to be more dynamic to be able to practice the virtue all the time in every single situation. And that's when we know that we've grown in the habit of virtue. So sometimes we can experience, you know, like in easy times, uh, you know, we're like, wow, I've got really good virtue. You know, like this is easy. And then difficulty comes and you're like, oh man, I just took 20 steps back, you know, like I'm not as good as virtue as I thought. Well, uh, you're not as good as virtue as you thought, but it doesn't mean that you, the virtue or the practices that you had before weren't applicable. It means that you've applied it to a more difficult situation, and now you've got to grow a little bit more dynamically. In the same way with this in some ways. It's really easy to go to Sunday Mass when your parents make you go. Um, it's a little bit harder when you get to college. It's a little bit harder. It's really easy to go to mass when it's just you and, you know, one other person. Once you get kids, it becomes a whole lot more difficult, right? You know, once you start traveling at all, right, it becomes... And so that's kind of the dynamic is are you still able to do the practices even in different situations? And that's what we're kind of experiencing in some ways with Exodus 90 is that our situations are changing as the season kind of changes, as we go to different things, as we experience, you know, different... Uh, different things going on, but yet we still want to be able to practice virtue in a dynamic all the time, to be able to be in control in some ways, not in control of uh, a regimented way of controlling the environment completely, but in a controlled way of being able to make the right choices prudently at the right times. Um, specifically within the Christian context, the asceticism isn't um, this 
idea of just uh, greater self-will, but it's um, a realization that often the body, uh, so with original sin, we used to be with uh, body and soul. It used to be um, what we call is perfect in, in integrity, that we had an integrity between the body and soul, and that um, the body was submissive to the to the soul, to the higher intellect, reason. But with original sin, one of the things that is a disunity. And so that the body, and St. Paul kind of talks about this, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Not in a completely dualistic way in the fact that our, it's not as if our flesh is evil, uh, but it does mean that our flesh sometimes wants to take a bigger role in our choices and in our life than what is proper for the human person to live out of a good life. And so part of asceticism is as well is kind of beating the body into submission, not in a way that says, like, you're bad and i got to destroy you, but in a way of saying, like a little child, like, you're not in control. You've got to go sit in time out. You've got to, you know, you're not, you're not bad, but, but you need to be able to control yourself. You need to learn, right, and that you're not in charge, but the parents are in charge, right? The same way with the body. The, the, the body isn't the one in control, but your intellect, your reason, your choices are. And, and that's part of the practices in the midst of this, is as you, if you're disciplined with your children, your children understand it. If you're not disciplined with your children, your children become unruly, right? And the same way, the same way with our body. If we're disciplined with our body, not in a way that says that our body is bad, but in a way that is properly ordered, then our body will follow, not only in those practices where we discipline it, but hopefully also in other aspects as well. And when we don't, well, when we let our body have what it wants and throw temper tantrums and get what it wants, well, then it knows how to get what it wants, and, and it will continue to do that. And so part of the asceticism is to be able to live out a virtuous life, a life of the way that God made us, where the body is submissive and, um, and is in control from our intellect, which God has given us. Now, um, any questions about that? No? That kind of makes sense, sort of? Okay. Uh, I found this other really good article about asceticism and practice um, Actually, surprisingly, well, it was about Lent, the virtue of asceticism, and it was actually written by a Jesuit, which I was surprised by, but I thought it was very, I thought it was, I thought it was very good. He must, um, and uh, he kind of talks about asceticism, kind of thinking about Lent, and, and, you know, like the big, the big thing is, you know, don't just give up chocolate, right? You know, um, and, and I think I kind of push back against that in some ways. I think (coughs) just giving up chocolate isn't a, a good practice, but it can be a fruitful practice. And so it's not as if sometimes the, the and, and Exodus 90, obviously, we're not, we're not in that. But sometimes for Lent or other asceticism, we can say, we can kind of play this dualistic, well, the body doesn't really matter. And so it doesn't matter whether I give up chocolate. It doesn't matter what kind of practices I do with the body. All that matters is what kind of practices I do spiritually. And and that's not true. It does matter what we do with our body. Does it matter more what we do spiritually? Yes. But it doesn't mean that giving up chocolate 
doesn't matter, but we can give up chocolate and, and hopefully also pray or take giving up chocolate as an opportunity to pray, right? You know, that we can't just do physical practices and expect it to be good, and we can't do just spiritual practices and expect it to be good, but it has to be body and soul. Um, he talks about it a little bit. He, uh, when we think of asceticism, we think of uh, crazy people like the Da Vinci Code. I don't know. Has any of you seen the Da Vinci Code or read it? Okay. In, in it, there's, uh, there's this uh, crazy albino monk who whips himself and like, does all sorts of forms of mortification to like, place you know, kind of this total self-harm upon himself in order to win grace for others. I mean, it's an idea of like, you know, Jesus took sufferings upon himself for others. But it's, but it's a totally messed up picture of because because the albino monk isn't like doing this out of love of god he's like also murderous and other like weird things so it's like super messed up and but that's what most people think of if you're going to do any form of asceticism you know or any form of mortification you're like a total radical fanatical and you're an albino monk who you know is is doing these mortifications and also is like a horrible person right you know it's like this total, and it's kind of the extremism of like Islam or something else, you know, in the midst of it all. But that's not, that's not obviously what we're intending on doing. We're intending on having a healthy human person experience of uh, a submission of the body so that it doesn't rule us. And one of the other things is that in our modern world, a little bit of fasting is taken for an extreme amount. You know, it's like, you know, a lot of people go without meals. But if you if you fast and go without a meal, people are like, "What do you want to die?" You know, like, like, how? What do you mean you're not going to eat as much food as you possibly can, or like you're not going to drink alcohol? Like, you know, there's just like so many things of just like, in a normal world, this isn't really extreme. But we live in a world of such excesses that any amount of reduction to a, a somewhat penitential character kind of seems extreme but I would say counter it's not but I'd like to just go through three excesses that uh, three excesses or distortions three distortions that he kind of goes through to basically be aware of in the midst of us doing exodus so that we don't become distorted in our application of it which then will you know prevent us from it being fruitful so one of the excesses that he brings up is an is or one of the distortions that he brings up is excess and so excess in this sense not an excess of of practices but an excess of pride okay so it's kind of like if you uh and i've experienced this at a certain times when we do or even with exodus 90 it can happen of being like yeah I'm doing Exodus 90, you know, like, look at all these practices and look at how, look at how good I am and I'm able to do this, right? There's kind of an excess which creates pride. You know, the same thing can happen during Lent very easily of like, well, you're giving up chocolate. Well, I'm giving up, you know, I'm giving up food for the next 40 days, you know, like, like, okay. But uh, there's like, oh, you're praying for 15 minutes. I'm praying for two hours a day. You know, like there's kind of like, that's great. I mean, that's an amazing thing, but there's kind of an excess, which kind of creates an amount of pride in the midst of it all, which then, uh, then kind of creates it more focused on self as opposed to God in discernment. Uh, certain saints, um, 
certainly we're always kind of seen as as excess in the midst of it all uh, but you know they also found a mean in there so saint ignatius of Loyola would uh later in life kind of um, look back and kind of say i was a little bit excessive in his penitential practices at the beginning of his conversion same thing with uh, saint francis of assisi and we look at that and we're like, well, shoot, you know, am I going to be too excessive? No, because you're not kneeling on hard uh, rock for, you know, two, three hours at a time and not eating any food for weeks at a time. You know, if you get to that, you know, like what, you know, St. Francis, St. Ignatius did where they did serious harm to their body. Okay, well, then we'll, then we'll talk about that. But all the practices that Exodus 90 is are, are not excessive to detrimental to health, but they're excessive insofar as they're... Uh, according to the world. And so we want to be able to rightly understand it of saying like, it's not excessive according to the world, but that it's actually uh, proper. Um, so we try to find the mean in the midst of it all and kind of find the, uh, the virtue of it all and, uh, and not just live in the consumerism and have our we don't have our idea of reality according to consumerism and American culture, but the idea of, of truth in the human person. And the fact is, is that it's, it's not just, it's not bad for the human person to fast. It's actually healthy for the human person to fast. But according to a consumeristic culture and one that is afraid of any kind of uh, emptiness or loneliness, the fasting or, you know, other practices of loneliness, like, that's just evil, right? And we kind of realize, no, in reality, we're living in a very strange time, and what we're trying to do is trying to live a little bit more human in the midst of it all. One of the other ones, uh, distortions, sorry, I missed one, the distortion of dualism. So this, uh, I kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but that the body isn't evil, and that the f- spirit isn't the only thing that we need to concentrate on either, but that there's kind of sometimes a, a distortion of dualism where, well, I'm just my soul. Or, you know, the world, of course, focuses on I'm just the body. And we want to say we're body and soul. And so there's a false dualism of sometimes saying, well, I got the physical practices correct, and so I'm good. But we want to be able to integrate the tool, too, that the physical practices invite us into a greater spirituality and that our spirituality invite us into a greater uh, physical incarnation of our faith, you know? So if we're just following the, uh, well, that's the next one. Um, The other distortion is the distortion of empty religiosity. And so he quotes something from Isaiah and he says, Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is it not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loosen the chains of the injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and set the freedom oppressed free and break every yoke? Isaiah is specifically kind of talking about like they, the people of Israel, what he's condemning is that they choose the fast that they want. (laughs) You know, they fast on, you know, on the holy day from doing any work of the work that they want it. They don't want to do but they are not doing the work of God. And we can do the same thing at times, you know, and Jesus kind of very much kind of criticizes this, right? He gets criticized for healing on the Sabbath. Well, if you, you know, if your if you're, uh, cow or uh, ox is stuck, are you going to go help it out on the Sabbath? Yes. 
You know, so um, there's kind of an empty religiosity when we sometimes focus on uh, just getting our religious practice done or just getting the practices of Exodus done and miss the opportunity to serve other people, to, as it says, you know, loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke, right? To work about the kingdom of God. You know, if we say no, you know, that we don't do the fast according to what we always want, and we've talked about this at the beginning, but, you know, really do the fast according to and the practices what is what is prudent in the midst of it all and dying to ourselves, which is most important, but doing the work of God in the midst of it all. And empty religiosity can be just going to Mass on Sunday, going to confession and saying, oh, now I'm good, now I get to do whatever I want, right? And not being completely formed by that. In the same way with Exodus 90, where we can do the practices and even be perfect in the practices, but not grow at all. If it's just empty religiosity of just, uh, just because you're really a disciplined person but to be able to say, how is God calling me in the midst of this all to help other people and love other people in the midst of it all? Uh, one of my favorite kind of, uh, well, one of the Psalms speak about uh, holocaust and sacrifice I do not desire, but a humble and contrite heart. So it doesn't mean that God doesn't desire sacrifice and holocaust offerings, right, to offer our entire self. But if we offer holocaust offerings of external things, but don't offer him our humble and contrite heart. Those are empty religious practices. And so in the midst of it all, as we come to offer God's sacrifice, we always need to come with a humble and contrite heart offering these things, offering these things so that he might increase and we might decrease, not just so that we can you know, do it and be done with and not to think about it anymore in the midst of it all. And so it's especially important to be able to be praying in the midst of it all to help form that all. And so, you know, one of the most important practices is a minimum of 20 minutes prayer each day. You know, um, even if you missed every other practices, if you got that, okay, great. You know, we'll keep on moving. (laughs) Um, And that can be sometimes the hardest in the midst of it all because, you know, Satan's okay with you doing all the other practices as long as you don't pray. <laughs> I mean, because then it's just empty, empty religiosity in some ways, you know. Now, certainly you should be praying during the midst of it all, you know, in the midst of on Wednesday and Friday when your stomach hurts and you're like, oh, shoot. Like, I, like it doesn't, and, and I've had this like so many times in the last few weeks of like, it doesn't really matter whether I have a snack right now. I mean, it's probably not good that my stomach hurts. And I'm like, wait, really? <laughs> like, like that's totally, and it's just, uh, and so just to bring it again to kind of prayer and reality in the midst of it all, like, is this going to kill me? No. Is it going to be healthy? Yeah, actually, you know, uh, but, but so often, you know, if we're not rooted in prayer, if we're not rooted in in, in reality, in the midst of it all, it can be, become very distorted, or it can be like, great, look at me, I'm so tough, everybody else is eating, but I'm, you know, I'm in pain, and, you know, look at how great I am. No, again, like, there's a weakness of like, wow, I'm, I am weak, and, and that's okay, and, and I'm going to offer this up to God, and I might not be able to do everything perfect, but I'm going to be seeking him in the midst of it all. Um, any other questions about that, kind of all? Does anybody else have any um, I'm going to turn off the uh, recording at this point, and we'll maybe just kind of talk about you know some of the other kind of distortions or other difficulties that you've kind of 
experience yourself with uh, with Exodus 90 thus far.